You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Doric Wilson, pioneer and leader, designing women and curating with pride. It's June, and are we ever proud? Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Chandler, and you're listening to Your Program is Your Ticket, a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As New York City's oldest and longest-producing LGBTQ plus theater company, The Other Side of Silence, also known as Tassos, is dedicated to an honest and open exploration of the life experience and cultural sensibility of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as preserving and promoting its literary past in a determined effort to keep its theatrical heritage alive. And I have them here today on this episode of Your Program is Your Ticket. Now, please keep in mind that our interviews are recorded at different times to optimize schedules, just in case the audio sounds different here and there. I am so excited to have Tassos as my guest, so let's bring them on. Hi, Tassos, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Hi! Hi! Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Wow. And I have to say, uh, I'm welcoming back one of the the panelists here, so... and he knows who he is, so and he'll tell you all about it. <laughs> sure will. <laughs> um, let's start by having you introduce yourselves and tell, telling us and our listeners uh, about your involvement with Tassos. What's your role? What do you do? Mark? Sure. Uh, great. My name is Mark Finley, and I am the artistic director of The Other Side of Silence, or Tassos for short. Um, I've been with the organization since it's um, re- uh, reboot in 2001. And also, I believe this is the third time that you've been on uh, your program mission ticket. You, you're almost going to get the jacket. I'm going to have to order a jacket on standby. Oh, cool. <laughs> I feel like uh, I should be Paul in. I should be the center square. So. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I'm not you, that funny. We would have needed a fifth person for that. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Uh, who would like to go next? Aradai? Okay, fine. I'm, I'm Aradai. Aradai Knox. Um, I'm co-curator of the Cheslin Chambers um, play reading series at Tassos. Um, I've been... I'm sorry. I've been at Tassos for a few months, I think. Like maybe six. And um, I've mostly been... Uh, co-curating with Dennis, um, finding plays for us to read during the series, finding playwrights that we think are really dope and that we want to highlight and figuring out um, how best to uplift queer people and queer people's stories that aren't always uplifted. Wow, that's that's a lot of reading. I I go on reading committees. Every month. It's, a- so, it's so much less reading than like, like competition. So I oh. think I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, I'm like, I'm fine. Because <laughs> I am, I'm a script writer as well. And I'm, I'm often asked to read on panels and things like that. Yeah. And, and it's way lot. less than that. Oh, okay. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you, what you, what you, the time that you don't use to read, you're using to do administrative work and, and network. And I think actually me and Dennis have done a really good job of like trying to connect with the people we're trying to uplift of like mm-hmm. trying to really make sure we build relationships with um, those people or strengthen the relationships we already have. So I actually think the extra time just goes with like really connecting with the people in our community that we're trying to give a spotlight to. Wow, so important. Okay, one question for you before we move on to Go Dennis. To Dennis. <laughs> okay, so 
did I pronounce your name correctly? I love your name. It's so unique. I said, I said, Aradai. Is it Aradai? It's Aradai. Aradai. Aradai and Aradi are the, are the top two. I'm going to just make a, I'm just going to make a grab for this. (laughs) Um, So it doesn't, does not bother me at all. Uh, Well, uh, my name is Sean. It's spelled S E A N. So I've had everybody mispronounce my name throughout my life, starting it, you know, from when I knew my name. So I try to be a little sensitive to that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now that we've established that, Dennis, I assume I'm pronouncing your name correctly, right? Yes. Although I do get called Denise all the time at Starbucks. (laughs) So it's not as straightforward as you think of it. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm Dennis Corsi. Uh, I'm a freelance director and I started working with Tassos with Ardai as the co-curator, um, of the Chesley Chambers series or playwriting project. And yeah, we just started, uh, earlier this year. This is our first year doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we did our first reading, uh, last month. Um, so we're, we're, her and I are at the beginning of our, our journey with Tassos. Wow, cool! That's that's so great that you're doing that. That uh, that you're bringing on. You're, you're looking for uh, a variety of work. You're bringing on. Uh, I would assume you're reading newer plays from newer yeah. playwrights, right? So it's both just, actually and, yeah. and older plays. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think the central driving force for us is like what hasn't been seen, what hasn't been uplifted, what needs to be uplifted in this moment. And so it's less um, temporally bound and more just like what stories are we missing in the canon and, and in development. And that kind of speaks to what Tassos is about, essentially, which is telling the stories that aren't being told specifically the the LGBTQ plus stories. The great thing about what's going on um, with the world today is that there's a lot more visibility, but, um, you know, uh, Tassos is uh, not really interested in in presenting stories that you're going to see on on TV or um, on Broadway because you have TV and Broadway to do that. We're we're looking at um, at stuff that's you know not being heard, which is essentially what the other side of silence is—the people that aren't being heard. Wow, I, I love that, and I have to tell you, um, the two main—I'm going to—I'm going to call them main stage plays—the main work, main works that you did. Well, not last year, obviously, but the season before that. I I love both of them. Uh, okay. It was. Um, a Secret Identity and Bardikes. That was your last full season, right? Um, that was our last full season. Yeah, okay. so we did. Uh, uh, Leaving the Blues was our last production, which would have been the first of our last last year, but we didn't get to finish. Thank you, COVID. So, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. And and I saw all three of them. My husband was in one of them, and in another one, like what for one nighter? He was a he was filling in for somebody. Oh, right, right. I remember. I, Thanks to you guys, I was introduced to those three incredible pieces of work. It was, it was just, I was like, I've, I've never heard of this before. And then I go in and I'm blown away. Like, and that's great. You're, you're, you're making people, well, not making, but kind of making force, I don't know, helping them to find these, 
these uh, uh, great scripts and uh, great shows that, you know, because a lot of people, when they think theater, it's just, it's, they're thinking of 5% of the theater. Sure. I mean, and, and so it, it's, it takes the blinders off of people. And I really dig that. Well, and uh, just to speak to um, what um, Ardai and uh, Dennis are doing, I also have a pretty narrow focus. And so that's why we took took these folks on and they're amazing because they've got, you know, that times two. They, they can look in so many more directions than, than I can. And um, they've been doing a fantastic job and I cannot wait to see what happens next. So uh, now are you? No, I won't. No, in, in your investigation of finding these new works, what is the percentage of older classic theater that you're leaning to versus uh, newer theater? Uh, is it like a 50-50%? Does one sort of tip the balance a little? What are you finding with that? If you could, if you could like give crew percentages to it, it's just, just something I'm curious about. Are you asking about the, the reading series in particular? Right, the research that you're doing for I, um, I think that we're probably working that out still. And, and mm-hmm. as we, as we get more of an idea of what Mark as the artistic director of the company is interested in, I think we'll, we'll start to shift as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, for this year, we were looking at doing, I believe we're doing two plays from past decades and we're doing three new. That's, that's the plan for this year. That's, that's a good balance. Absolutely. That's great. So. Yeah. And, you know, who knows the following season, it could shift to the other side. And, yeah. but, but I just, I'm very, very happy to hear about this. I just think it's wonderful, especially, you know, coming out of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, which has sucked for everybody, but it's also given a lot of people time to create and develop programs like this. You know, it's to research stuff. You just, you know, you, you go onto the internet or you just, you find it or you, you ask and, and, and read and things like that. It was, it was a good time to do administrative work. Right, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Mark. Yes. Give us a history of Tassos. Who created it and why? And um, how has it changed and how has it stayed the same? Throughout the years. Okay. Well, um, uh, Tassos, The Other Side of Silence, was originally started by Dork Wilson. Uh, Dork Wilson, if you don't know, was uh, one of the uh, first writers at the Cafe Chino uh, and uh, arguably one of the first gay playwrights. Um, he started the original company, Tassos, in the uh, late 70s as New York City's first gay professional theater company. Um, at that time, there was still um, very much um, a stigma about being uh, appearing in gay material, that you would be assumed to be gay if you were doing something like this. Um, there was not as much, um, uh, certainly as much gay material out there uh, as there is now. Um, so he started that as, as New York's first, uh, first gay company, um, along the lines of, uh, Theater Rhinoceros on the West Coast, etc. Um, in the early 80s, it went on hiatus. I think it was a combination of, um, 
what was happening with AIDS and um, what was happening in um, uh, the theater community and Doric's personal life that sort of put the theater on hold for a while. Doric went out to L.A., lived there for a while, um, came back at the end of the 90s. Um, at the, in the early 2000s, um, Doric met me, and I am such a genius. He decided that he wanted to revive the company um, with, at, with me as artistic director. And at first I said no, because I don't want to be administrative. I want to be a director. I don't want to be a fundraiser. I don't want to be, uh, I want to make plays. I don't want to make meetings. Um, we have found a balance in this. And what I, uh, what I've found, uh, uh, the great part about being an artistic director, uh, uh, director at the, the level of the reboot of Tassos which we rebooted as Tassos 2. Uh, that was our, um, our trademark name. That's what's on our 501c3. It says Tassos 2. Um, was, um, we, we found a balance that we could run, um, me and Doric and Barry Childs could run this theater and make both of those things happen. What kind of happened through the years, again, we, we went really far, really fast. We got a lot of attention. We got, um, uh, we, we got some awards. We, but we had Doric, who, um, uh, was a real dynamo at the four. And he, you know, he was legendary in the counterculture. A lot of people knew him and he was not shy about putting himself and the group forward. Um, he passed away. And at that level, we were sort of like, well, we kept saying, you know, Doric said the company is us. The company is not me. Where do we go from here? So at, at that point, it kind of teetered and we would do kind of annual readings of things. Occasionally would get, we would get a production together, but we weren't really chugging along at the same speed. We were losing a little sense of identity, um, et cetera. Um, then I met through, uh, one of the actors, uh, Michael Zagarski, who, um, essentially we got together to put on a benefit, uh, a benefit production of street theater for Tassos to kind of get us back going again. And that just kind of grew into, well, why don't we put a board together? Why don't we kind of revamp our system uh, and become an actual theater company? Why don't we reach out and um, see if we can find a um, uh, a space that we can perform in regularly, essentially finding a home? Um, and that's kind of where we're at at the theater now. Um, Michael and I kind of jokingly call it Tassos 3, but it's not really. It's really the third iteration of this thing. And here we are um, some 20 years later, which is if you look at the shelf life of an off-off-Broadway company, I was told when I started this project out that three years is usually the life. Um, you do really well at the beginning, you chug along, and then after three years, it's, it starts to go somewhere else. We didn't really hit the wall until about 15 years, which was good. But now with more organization, with more contacts, with more, with making a concentrated effort to be 
a theater company and not a theater club to constantly reach out to people. Hey, can you help us? Do you want to do this? Are you interested in this? We're kind of growing our base more and more. I, um, convinced Doric to drop the two from Tassos because I wanted to embrace our heritage. And uh, effectively, that's what we're trying to do with Tassos 3, is not only embrace our heritage, but run up to the future, as well as keeping um, an an active memory of the past. Mm. That's, in a nutshell, the other side of silence. Uh, Tell me about this quote. If we had a keen vision and feeling of all ordinary human life, we should die of that roar which lies on the other side of silence by George Eliot uh, of Middlemarch. Yeah, that's that's where we get the quote from. Doric tells me that um, uh, that was brought into one of the original meetings, and we should call it the other side of silence. Um, and it, it just seemed to fit everybody. Um, to me... The other side of silence is what's happening literally on the other side of silence. These, these are the lives that you don't know. These are the voices that you've never heard. Therefore, they're, they're silent to you. We are bringing, we are living out loud. We are bringing these stories and these lives to you because that's what's happening on the other side of your world. Um, there's also, there's a book called The Other Side of Silence, which, which is about, uh, it's a gay history book, which, um, I'm sure, uh, Dork didn't know about when he was, uh, when he named the group, came out several years later. Um, but just in seeing that and having read it, I'm like, well, obviously we were onto something. So, um, that's what that quote means to me. And rather than just define it, I like to leave it open to interpretation. But what I do like to do is correct people when they say Tosos. I know it looks like Tosos, but I prefer Tassos because Tosos to me sounds like toes. So. Tosos. Tosos. <laughs> yes. That's like that sounds like a, like a arch support or something. You know? like, yeah. Like toes. it's so for your toe. Tosos are yes. so for your toes. Exactly. Did I say toast? No, no, no. But usually people um, that are new to us say um, say tosos, and I never correct anybody. I just kind of say it my way until they kind of catch on that I prefer this. Wow, because there's no wrong way to say it. Sure, there is. It's tosos. (laughs) You're not. You're not doing plays about arch supports here. No, we're not. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't done a drag play in a while. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. So stay tuned. Basically so. what Kinky Boots should have been named. <laughs> I'm gathering from this. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Okay, <laughs> going in, it's going in. Excellent. Oh, that's so funny. You guys are making me laugh. That's that's awesome. I love it. Uh June, and it's June first today, yep. um, is official Pride Month. Uh, talk talk about the way Tassos is celebrating Pride Month. Um, what are some of your Pride Month traditions, and are you adding anything new to the to the mix this year? Well, I tell you what, the uh, it's again just to go 
to our fearless leader. We, in the past, we, um, we would always say, oh, let's do this for pride. Let's do this for pride. And Doric would say, it's not smart to try and get a, a, a play production up in June because there are too many things going on. And um, you're really fighting for an audience. And he's he cited um, when um, Love, Valor, Compassion gave special ticket prices during Pride or uh, Angels in America, etc. And he said, and their box office actually went down. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't think it's smart because people come to New York to celebrate, celebrate Pride in different ways than to go to the theater. And um, I think he's absolutely right. Um, what we have done in the past is we've marched in the pride parades, but what we consistently have done is we have, um, again, talking about Tasso's three, we now have a kind of home base at, um, at the flea theater downtown. Um, and we have a July theater spot every year on, on their calendar. So usually for pride, we're in rehearsal. And I think that that's the best way to show your pride. I always kind of feel like somebody asked me, what do y'all do for pride? I, uh, I want to go, well, we're a gay theater company. So every month is pride month. <laughs> so that's just me being snarky, but, uh, uh, those are our theatrical traditions, marching in pride occasionally, definitely rehearsing. Um, Pride for us will be a little different this year in that a um, couple of things that that um, that we've done is um, we have joined with um, theater companies um, uh, across America, Tiger Bear in L.A. Um, uh, don't I'm forgetting the names right now because I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, theater company in Chicago, etc. Um, there's a playwright Harrison Rivers who we got a chance to do a reading of a play of last year. Um, wrote has a series of monologues. He's compiled them t- together uh, into a, a program called Hold Me the Forgotten Way. Um, and Tiger Bear reached out to a bunch of gay theaters across uh, the country and asked if we would be, um, if we'd like to participate in that. And I jumped on that. So I'm directing a piece called Moments in New York, Um uh, and it's featuring Russell Jordan. It's going to drop on June 16th. So we'll be re- we will be releasing that f- specifically for Pride, but it'll be available, um, I think, for six months after that. So uh, um, there's that. Tassos is uh, launching their new website with a new logo and updated to include all the new stuff that we're doing, including the Playwright series. Um that's for June. And another thing that um, uh, I've been working on with my um, Tassos compatriots, um, Jordan Schilkraut and uh, Virginia Beata, um, is the podcast Outlines, where we're taking um, historical gay plays, breaking them down into a social and historical context. I know that sounds super dry, but we also talk about our cats to break it up a little bit. Um, I, I'm actually not kidding. And um, that first episode of that just dropped yesterday. So um, I will make sure that all this information is available to you, um, Sean, to put on your closing stuff. But we do have stuff going on. 
we still don't know. I mean, last Pride was essentially a virtual Pride. This one, I don't think we know what to expect. I do know that Tassos is not going to take our usual July slot because, you know, given our we act, we perform in a 50-seat theater, we're not really in a position to take that kind of monetary hit if we don't manage to sell. I mean, 30%, 33% of 50 seats is not very many people. Right. So we're not, I don't think we want to take the financial hit. And the plays that we've got coming up, we want more people to see rather than less. So it made sense to wait until everybody's more confident coming back than to do a show just for the sake of doing a show and F you COVID, here we are, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, so, and who knows, the line just keeps, with COVID, just keeps moving Forwards and backwards and forwards. I mean, it's just, you just never know yeah. where you stand from one day to the next sometimes. It's going to figure itself out and yeah. it's a lot bigger than Mark Finley. So those are the decisions that we made in a general thing. I, I hate canceling shows. The mm-hmm. one thing that we really missed that we, we learned about what we missed about theater was the audience. Yeah. So uh, I, and I'm sure you guys can like, uh, agree a hundred percent that we are chomping at the bit to get back. We just don't want to do it in a way that's, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think there's this thing about theater being embodied and like the audience always being the last part of um, this like weird ritual we've created to like share culture sure. that like when you take away the last element, it just feels like you're in rehearsals no matter what. It just, yep. it just feels like you're in perpetual rehearsal. <laughs> so it's going to be nice to, well, you know, and do also it. you, a big part, just to speak to what, what you just talked about, a big part of what we do in this company is community building. Right. And that's so challenging when, when your community is invisible. You know, you can yeah. read their chat, but you can't, you know, hear them applaud or laugh. Oh, my God. Doing communi- doing comedy in the time of COVID is torture, you know. Mm-hmm. It works, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's uh, – I think you're being really, really smart, though, Mark, with paying attention to your financial model. Um, I just did a, a, a full series of episodes called Act Two Places, which you can go and you know listen to after you listen to this episode, if you're <laughs> listeners out there. And I interviewed a bunch of artistic directors and actors and acting teachers. And um, there is a very, very distinct, smart eye towards the budget. Because, I mean, like, if, you, if you're doing a Broadway show, these, they have to be careful as well. There's no way you can run even the cheapest Broadway show at a 30% house. It's just not, it, it, you're right. It will, it will close a lot of people down. So being smart in, 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 and uh, uh, metering how you do that. Um, I know it, it sucks because, Arda, as you were saying, you know, you really, really want that audience connection. And that's what's missing so much. Um, but and for we're just we're just in I mean I think there are other ways to to cultivate audience for like theatrical stories online but I think it is a real struggle to cultivate it for like 
theater. Like it doesn't feel like live theater because it's not. And like, so like either you have to like fully commit to that adaptation, which I don't think makes sense for everyone, or you just have to wait until we can actually do the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it totally makes sense to wait until we can do the thing when it's healthy and um, not, you know, an apocalypse like once we've come a little bit out of the apocalypse <laughs> right right just people get used to other people again yeah yeah it's, uh in one of my interviews somebody this is like probably my first interview of the series um i think it was the new york new futurist one of the people in their team said that day and that time is going to be mythic it's just going to be like did we ever think and how did we it's there was there's just so many questions surrounding it and uh i think i don't know about you guys but i mean i'm i'm vaccinated and um i still have trust issues they can tell me a hundred times on tv you're okay you're fine but in your mind it's just ingrained. i don't think i'm ever not gonna wear a mask like in certain places ever again like i'm never getting on a train i'm never getting on a plane i don't want to say never because you shouldn't but like right now that's what i feel in my body i'm like in, in many places, I will be wearing a mask. I will be social distancing. I was in Florida for so much of the pandemic oh, and wow. people would like stand really close to me and I would just like mean mug them over my mask. Like, mm-hmm. just like, what is, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, why are you doing well, this? <laughs> and, and frankly, it is healthier. I mean, I'm a teacher and there's that wave that comes through every, uh, every semester where everybody gets sick. Mm-hmm. If, um, you know, if you're wearing masks, that's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. The flu went way down this year. Yeah. So. Oh we'll yeah. See. As my mother would say, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, a couple of days ago I was, uh, feeling kind of Flemish and weak and, and that. And I told my husband, I was like, I don't feel good. I think maybe I have a cold. He's like, there's no way that you have a cold. No <laughs> way. Where have you been? <laughs> I think way- it's also though, like people would get colds now. Like I've seen that. It's like with my friends who are habitual overworkers, people will get colds and they'll be like, I have COVID. Even vaccinated yeah. people will be like, I have COVID. I have to yeah. go home. I have to isolate. I have to be around no one. And I'm like, I've seen you with full out like, like laryngitis, like pneumonia like systems. And it's been <laughs> like, I'm going to work. I have to go to work. I need to go. And now everyone's like, no, I must isolate. And so I think that helps too. Like people yeah. are taking their yeah. health so much more seriously. There's, there needs to be some kind of middle ground though. Yeah, definitely a middle. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be a medium. <laughs> yeah. Dennis, you're awfully quiet over there. What are your thoughts on our, on our conversation? Oh, I'm just, I'm a quiet person in general. Are um, you? Yeah, especially in groups. I'm a listener. <laughs> um, uh, what, what, uh, what specifically would you like me to respond to? <laughs> um, how are you feeling uh, about theater as we slowly and very, very methodically come out of uh, co- the COVID-19 pandemic? Is it, does it, are you like, we should go faster? It should be slower. Um, do, do you have concerns? Uh, is there something that y- you like that's happened as a result of it? Um, I wouldn't say I'm really concerned about much because I, I think that it seems like people are, are being responsible 
Um, and so I think that the speed that things are going is, is good. Um, I think it would be fun if it were faster because there is a sense of like, it's all happening so slowly that we're not even going to realize it's just one day it'll have be sort of back to full capacity and there will never have been like a big party or whatever. So, um, it, it would be more fun if it could just be like today theater is open and we'll have a party and I'll go see the theater. Um, I'm kind of wondering if when the city opens on the first, if that'll be, there'll be a bigger sense of that. But I, I absolutely hear what you have, what you're saying. Yeah. I am seeing a play in person uh, this week. Ooh. And it's sort of like hard to believe, just like you guys were saying, like you, you don't believe that you can not wear a mask, like you still have that. I feel I've asked them, I've emailed them at least three times, like, you, so I, we're actually in a theater. <laughs> like, yeah. And I said, the, the actors are there too. And like, there's other audience. And it's like, yeah, it's a real, it's a real show in a theater. So that's, that's a really exciting milestone. And I would imagine that masks are required in the theater. Um, so they are doing it where you have to be vaccinated to go. Oh, all vaccinated. Um, masks are requested, mm. but not required. But the vaccination is required. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. again, smart. Let's be smart with our decisions uh, going back. I know that, uh, I know that like other continents are, they're just coming back full tilt boogie. Like I interviewed a couple guys from Australia not too long ago. And they're, um, uh, they say that they're kind of back. Like they're doing full tilt boogie. They also got oh, hit a lot. They got hit a lot less hard than we did. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they handled it better. Yeah. I, they handled it better. They have like different culture around all of this. And, and they, I think they're also a little more spread out. Like when I think about like yeah. California and New York and how our response to it was fine. It's just that we, why does so many people live in New York? Like this is when you, <laughs> this is when you realize there's too many people here. Um, but like, you know, Sydney's not like that. Like Sydney right. is, is way more spread out. So yeah, I mean, like great that we're back, but also it's just like, it's so different to be coming back in like New Zealand and Australia than it is to come yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, uh, and even that gives me a little pause. Even that, like, I'm a little concerned for them now. now but it, I mean, it's a whole mentality. It's yeah. done a, it's done a, uh, I think I may have mentioned this to you, Mark, you know, at another time, but, uh, there's an actor named, uh, Telly Leong. He does a lot of Broadway, uh, work and he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know him, but he did this. He said this quote that COVID-19 has take, taken a mental hit. Uh, or put a mental hit on everyone. Like everyone mentally has been hit with it in, in a way that we don't, we're probably still going to be analyzing 20 years from now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Let's get back to uh, Tassos and not Tosos. And I know that you touched on this a little bit, but uh, talk about your future plans uh, in a little more detail um, and what, what your season's like. Uh, uh Cement for me what it's actually called, if you will. What the season is called? Yeah, I mean, is there is there a, a name to it? I have, uh, I jotted down um, uh, Chelsea 
Chamber? Okay. Um, Chesley Chambers, if y'all want to talk about that. Okay. Uh, the, as for their performance series, mm-hmm. we are, I talked to my uh, executive director about this and we're not, we're like not finalized. The, the papers have not been signed yet. Okay. So I cannot tell you what we've got coming up. I can tell you that we are planning our um, next production for our January spot in 2022, which seems like a long time away. But it's going to be here, I mean, realistically, after the summer, we should be in pre-production for it. Right. So it's it's going to come up like an, like an MF. So we, um, Mark Finley, we have slots um, every year at the Flea uh, in January and uh, kind of third week in January through first week in February. That's usually our general time. And then we do our second production at the flea in like second week of July through the first work, uh, first week of August, a, a regular normal Tasso season starts with the July production. Then, um, our next main stage is it starts with the June product starts with the January production. I, I knew if I would go, I would get it eventually. If it starts You're doing with- great. You're doing great. Thank you. So um, starts in January with that production. Um, second production is July. Um, we have a uh, fundraiser, a gala fundraiser at the Norwood Club um, on 14th Street, uh, usually in September, October. To, to That's our only major fundraiser. So uh, we do that annually to raise funds for the rest of the year. And then at the end of the year, uh, in December, we have our free holiday party that's uh, open to everybody. Those four events uh, are a typical Tasso season. Now we have a fifth event, the the Chesley Chambers Playwright Project, um, which I started a while ago and it was kind of sporadically scheduled. Now these folks have taken it and made it an annual thing, which I'm really excited about. So that'll be threaded throughout these, um, um, four events, uh, piggybacked on some promoted through all. And, um, historically, although not all of the productions, but historically it's, it's kind of been where we get our ideas for our main stages. So it's really kind of a Tassos's life's blood. Um, I think there's only a couple productions that we've done, which didn't get a Chesley Chambers reading, but, um, uh, that's what we've definitely got. That's about as definite as, as I can get. Um, un- unless y'all want to talk titles for the, for the next production, if you're in a position to do that, if you're not, then don't feel obligated to speak. Uh, we don't have, uh, specific titles, but I can say that we're doing a new play in July. Um, and, uh, throughout the rest of the year, there is going to be another, um, play from a past decade and we also are going to do a fun event in october we're doing a spooky shorts um event where it'll be a an evening of of new spooky plays how fun that's so cool 
Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, someone sent us an email saying that they have a 10 minute play about a queer werewolf that they want us to read for this. And oh, I don't yes. think we're going to choose it, but I'm just like, this is what I'm living for, for these yep. t shirts. It's like things like queer werewolves. I just, I cannot wait. <laughs> That's. I'm very excited about that already. <laughs> yeah, that is like very much right up your alley. Yes, right. it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, now Chesley Chambers, there's, there's um, a slash in the middle. Is that mm-hmm. two different people? Is that mm-hmm. a talk about that? How, how, how do they come up with the name? Do y'all want to take that or you want me to take that? Mark, why don't you take it? You know more of the history about it than we do. Okay. Um, we had um, the whole thing started when we had a theater rented for a production that we were doing. So we had extra time in the theater. So I was like, well, why don't we do, why don't we do a play reading series? Why don't we read plays that um, we've always wanted to hear out loud? Why don't we bring in new stuff? And it caught on and it became a thing. Doric decided to make it a series and to name it after um, two of the uh, seminal playwrights in the um, gay theater movement, Jane Chambers and uh, Robert Chesley. So that's where the the name came from. Uh, a couple of years back, we realized that we hadn't we we named the series for. Jane Chambers and Robert Chesley, but we'd never done any of their plays in the series. So we opened that year with, um, with Jane Chambers, um, uh, Blue Heaven. And the next reading we did was Robert Chesley's Jerker. So, um, so that's where the name came from. Uh, they were, um, Jane Chambers was, um, uh, the the play that people know her most for is uh, Last Summer at Bluefish Cove. That's the one that gets done over and over again. But there are a bunch of uh, – she's got a, a wealth of material, and it was fun really finding stuff um, uh, to present for her. And interestingly, I didn't know this until we we did the, the first reading of Last Summer at Bluefish Cove. The first production starred Gene Smart. That was her first like thing in New York City, and to see is, pictures of and who is on fire right now. I know with her career, yeah. But if you think of it, starting back there in the seventies and still being this amazing, I just I love that. I love that. Yeah, she's she's really taking off. Uh, well, not taking off. She's having Coming. this. Inc- in- incredible res- res- resurgence. And renaissance, as the Renaissance. Exactly, yes, it's definitely a re- renaissance. I feel like she's having, like, the second act that Kim Cattrall wishes that she yep. is going to have or will have. Um, but there's just, I mean, she's just so great. Yeah, love her. Hats and, uh, and um, Mare of Eastwood, which... Show. If you haven't watched that, always oh, great. She's great in Garden State. She's fantastic. Oh yeah, she everything she does, she's really good. I mean, yeah. she's just great. Now, our diagenists are probably way too <laughs> young to remember when watching the original first runs of Designing Woman, where she she owned that show too. Yeah, yeah. Be so really honest, what is what is this, which one is Designing Women? <laughs> Ask your next question. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no, there was like, 
Okay. Oh my God. So oh my God. Um, back I feel like when Michael Jackson does this thing sometimes where he takes clippets, snippets, clips of like shows from like long, cause he's obsessed with white soap operas. Um, I'm sorry, Michael Jackson, the writer of Strange Loop, not the singer. Right. I, and, I like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and um, I thank you for clarifying. I knew, but yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm like, I, I, for, I literally forget that they share a name because they're such distinct people in my head. And then yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. Um, but like, he'll share. He's obsessed with soap operas, so he'll just share snippets. And I feel like there's the, like a snippet. That he played from Designing Women? Probably. Somewhere. Probably. And that's like my only reference point. I yeah. do not think I've seen the show. Yeah. So what it was. Like back, Golden Girls? Yeah. Back in the bit, back yeah. in the eighties, uh Golden Girls came on board and kind of started this whole thing. Then kind of on the heels of that, Designing Women is really more of a nineties thing, like a late eighties, nineties thing, isn't it? It probably debuted in the 80s, but I think Designing Women was already a thing. But it's, um, I mean, uh, Golden Girls was already a thing. Yeah. Basically what it is, it's it's for women. It's about them. But rather than all being roommates in a retirement home, they're all... Uh, they all work for a, an interior design firm in... Um, a southern town, and I can't remember what town it is. Uh, Atlanta? That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's in Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, and it's two of them are related, um, and the other two just work for the firm, but they're all really, really close friends. Is so there a random black guy in it? Yep. Yes. Yes, I did see a clip of this because they were yes. like in New Orleans. Yep. And he would say yes. weird things, and okay, no. <laughs> yeah, Meshack Taylor. Was the yes, uh, okay. was the actor? And so, which one is she? Was she like? Uh, Mishak Taylor was a guy. He was there as not Mishak, the um, the the actress you were talking about earlier. Jean oh, Smart, Jean Smart, the played. blonde. Yeah, she's she's the blonde, and she the was blonde. the office okay. office manager, and she was one of the first of the original four to to drop off, and then somebody came in and took her place. And but, yeah, they they yeah, it was like uh, Dixie Carter and uh, Delta Burke were the two sisters. Annie Potts was a uh, designer that worked with them, and Jean Smart was the uh, office manager, and she was kind of like the, uh, I wouldn't say ditzy, but I would say kind of um, would go off on tangents a lot. Um, uh, Delta Burke was the ex-beauty queen and um, Dixie Carter was the matriarch kind of overlord and Annie Potts was the mother kind of um, wisecracking mother. Uh, I love that show, but it, it didn't have quite the shelf life as, uh, as golden girls. Cause I don't think it's as campy, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you want to watch it, it's on Hulu. And I, it's funny that you brought up that um, New Orleans episode. It's it's hugely famous. And my husband actually purchased off of eBay one of the original scripts of that particular episode. He loves wow. it so much. I know. It's, he's The things he does, I'll tell you. <laughs> he's, it's a good thing he's cute. Um, okay. Now, before you, you go and give us your social media information, I'm hoping that you'll just answer a question for me. Um, I'm going to ask 
what does gay pride mean to you? And if you could give me a two to three word to maybe a short paragraph answer, um, I'd really appreciate that. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll start with, we'll start with Mark. Okay. Well, I gave you my smart ass answers earlier, so (laughs) I'll give you. It's hard to tell. (laughs) It is kind of hard to tell. Like I said, group of lions. I did, uh, I did, um, past tense of wrenched. Like he pried the fork out of my hand. Um, but what it really means for me for real is personal integrity. To, for me, that's gay pride. And that's not just um, for a month. That's every day. That's showing up and, and um, being who you are and not apologizing for it. Just owning your space as a gay person. That, that to me, is gay pride. Okay. All right, Dennis. We're, Dennis, we're going to go to you last so that you have time to think about it <laughs> since you're shy. Okay. All right, Diet. What does gay pride mean to you? Riots. It means riots. It means rioting. It means um, it means a full expression of this dissatisfaction with not being seen and and not being heard and not um, and also like there's like it, it's a defiance too of like you don't have to hear or recognize me for me to be here. I am here. I will continue to be here and. Um, so there's like such defiance and rioting and then the rioting that, you know, inspired pride that anytime I think of pride, I think of this riot of spirit. And I don't know, like, I think sometimes when people hear riots, they think like anger, um, which obviously it is, but there is also like a real, there's such freedom, I think in, in rioting that it also feels joyful to me. Like the difference between a parade and a riot is, um, usually legality, (laughs) So like I, I I just feel and floats. I, it floats. No, I mean I feel like you could have floats at it. Like I, I just there can be floats at a riot, but it's you know whether or not the police have signed your your papers. Those are the, those are the biggest differences. So yeah. Well, we definitely have roots in in riots to to claim our rights. So that's that's actually a very astute answer. Okay, Dennis. Your turn. Yeah, I love I love that answer. Um, I think that for me, um, pride in a very personal level is is acceptance and celebration of myself. Um, and I just think about my my long coming out process, and um, for the first maybe like four years of me being openly gay, I would have, and I'm from a very conservative religious upbringing. Um, even though I was out, um, if I had a magic wand and could have made myself straight, I would have used it. Um, but then there was a turning point in my life where that changed, where even if I had the power to do that, I wouldn't because I was proud of being gay and wanted to be gay and wanted to celebrate that part of myself. So that's pride for me. Those are all great answers. I love those. Thank you for uh, opening up and answering those and, and, you know, talking about your feelings that way. I very much appreciate it. Okay. So now it's time for you to give me your social media so everyone can find you and um, 
uh, go learn about the series and who you are. So, Mark, why don't you uh, take that, please? Okay, so to find out all about Tassos, log on onto our website at www.tossnyc.org. That's tassosnewyorkcity.org. Also, if you want to find out about, uh, if you want to listen to the new podcast, uh, Outlines, uh, you can find that at www.outlinespod, outlinespod.com. And we also, uh, our Instagram is at T-O-S-O-S-N-Y-C as well, just Thank like you. the website. Cool. Uh, Arda, did you want to add anything to that? <laughs> oh, I mean. <laughs> did they cover it all? Yeah, that's all it's possible. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, uh, you can catch up with us also on Facebook. Cool. Very, very cool. Wrong, ben. Also Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Are we are we at the point now? Where we're just completely forgetting Facebook is there. Because no, I, just, I spend I'm all of my time on Facebook. I just no. I'm I just bad be, at knowing about where social media pages are. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for for being on the show. Um, I appreciate. Uh, you being open with me and, uh, and our audience. I appreciate so much you, the hard work that you're putting into finding, um, uh, newer works as well as unearthing older works and, and presenting that, that to us. Uh, that's, that's just not easy to do. And it's amazing that, uh, that you're doing it. And you're all just shining examples of, of pride in my book and, and, and in different ways. It's the way you've expressed yourself. It's just, this has been a really great show. And um, I, I want to, you know, again, thank you so much for being on your program as your ticket. I wish you all many, many broken legs um, as you continue to honor LGBTQ theater and really set forth its future. Cause that's what you're doing. So thank you very much. Tassos. You have all been amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. My pleasure. Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to the team at the other side of silence. I admire them hugely and am so honored to have them as part of the Your Program Is Your Ticket family. You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with a place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can be easily found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Again, that's bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Broadway Podcast Network also has an app, which you can and should download. Just go find it. Your Program Is Your Ticket is also on Facebook at Facebook.com, Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at at Program Ticket, Instagram at Your Program Is Your Ticket, YouTube at Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm also on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform Thespie. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer as we transition through and out of this pandemic. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. They're all getting back on their feet, and it's the best way that you can help them. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, theater is for 
everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 